This is a very interesting and extensive lesson that we are going to be teaching here tonight. There's pieces and parts of it that I have referred to in times past, but never to the total extent that I am going to teach on and talk on tonight. Praise the Lord. And uh, I've simply entitled it Psalm 119, which is where we begin. I'm going to talk to you about the psalm a little bit in the beginning of it, and then we're going to use it for a springboard into some of the other uh, deeper areas that I want to talk to you about here tonight. I'm going to give you a, a little bit of a bigger picture here. I went too far, didn't I? Uh, hang on a minute. All right. Let's go with that. Praise God. Oops, okay. There we go. Now, that's what you should have in your hand. And I want to talk to you about some things here about this psalm. That's very interesting. It is the, and I'm going to start at the very top up there, and I won't read it or anything, but I'll just tell you what it's saying up there. It is the longest psalm in the, in the Bible, longest psalm. The shortest psalm has two verses, two verses. The shortest psalm, the longest psalm is this psalm here, and it is also the longest chapter in the Bible, if you want to call it a chapter because many of the Psalms are referred to somewhat as a, equal to a chapter and other, other, verse, other books in the Bible. And uh, this, 19th, this 119th Psalm is the longest. And as I've mentioned here, and I'm going to just point this out to you here in Part A, there are 22 groups of verses. There are 22 groups of them. Each group has eight verses, and they're called stanzas, stanzas. There are eight stanzas to each group, giving Psalms 119 a total of 176 verses, 176. And they're all in these stanzas of eight uh, verses each. Of course, the verses were later added by the translators, but the, the, the length of it is, a, is still the same and the, the theme of it. And each one of these stanzas has a certain theme to it. Uh, if you look at B, each stanza has, uh, of eight verses is named after a letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Now, everybody still with me on that? And if you look in your Bible, if you have it in your Bible, and I don't know if, they, uh, if we have a way to look at that, if you can just give us uh, Psalms 119.1 up here, maybe I can show you by that. Okay. No, it doesn't show it. It just says uh, Aleph, or Aleph, that's, which is the first, uh, which is the very first, uh, stand, and it has a, it doesn't give you the, how many of you have your Bibles with you? All right, in your Bibles, you should have a Hebrew letter there. Do you have a Hebrew letter? How many of you have a Hebrew letter in your Bible? I see several hands there. Okay, this is a big help. But each one of these stanzas is a Hebrew letter, starting with the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet and going to the last letter in the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 
letters in the Hebrew alphabet altogether. And uh, I'm not going to try to name them or go through them all and all those kind of things. I'm just giving you an overview of it here, of, of all of it. But each one of these letters, praise the Lord, is, is, the, is the beginning of a stanza. And there's eight verses to each stanza. And then there's 22 of these stanzas in there. And each one named after a certain letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Now, these, these uh, Hebrew alphabet letters, praise the Lord, gives us some insight. Uh, if you look at part B here, each stanza is eight verses is named after a letter in the Hebrew alphabet starting on the first letter and going to the last. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, which we just read to you and, and talked to you about. And I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the things that it has in it. Now, I'm going to come around to some very interesting things that it points out to you here. So in the 119th Psalm, I'm going to mention to you a few things. The overall theme of this is that it is about the Word of God. The 119th Psalm is the Word of God and our relationship with the Word of God. Praise the Lord. The Word of God and our relationship with the Word of God. That's in part C here, which is what I'm talking to you about right now, C. It is about the Word of God and our relationship with the Word of God. And each stanza is a particular relationship that we have with the Word of God. And so uh, it goes all the way through, and it's very special and very uh, particular. And... Uh, it has uh, many interesting facets to it. Uh, for instance, in Psalms, in the very first Psalms, first uh, in Psalms 119, I mean, and the first verse in this one, the theme that would be mentioned, that is the word as it stands with all its promises for all people, for all people. It is the word of God that stands, it has promises, and it's for everybody. And this is the theme of this very first section here. If we were to go to the second one, which was down in verse 9, and pick up, it would be called the, the letter Beth. And it says, Thy word applied to me, my intentions to keep it. In other words, it deals now with me. And it goes all the way through here with these particular and peculiar characteristics about the word of God and how it's got the, the third one, which would be in... Uh, which would be in verse 17. And the third one would be verse 17, starting in that verse. And the stanza there would be Gamel. And the, the, the word, if I keep it, it will give me self-worth and respect. So what I'm trying to point out to you, and I'm not going to go through all of these stanzas here, 22 of them, but I'm just giving you an idea here how that each one of these groups talks about us in our relationship with the Word of God. And it's a very beneficial thing, very encouraging thing, and uh, it has some great depth to it. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about it as I go a little bit along. Let me say one thing here before I go any further. There's a statement that's made here in this second verse. I'm going to read the second verse to you. This is 119.2, 119.2. This is not in your notes, incidentally. I'm just, this is off the cuff here, so 119.2. And this is what it says. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Now, I want you to notice here the emphasis that it puts on 
doing everything with your whole heart. Now, this is a somewhat of a, a theme here, and this is referred to five different places right along here in the beginning of this, uh, of this Psalms. That I will seek him with my whole heart. Look down in verse 10, which is in the second letter. Verse 10, with my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Uh, now, I'm going to also refer to you here to, uh, to, to verse 34. Verse 34, this is in the fifth stanza. Verse 34. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Now, this statement is found through the scriptures here. Look at Psalms, uh, the same Psalm 119, verse 58. Verse 58. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Notice here that the psalmist is emphasizing and and uh, the, the psalmist is emphasizing how important it is for us to do everything to do with God with our whole heart. Not a half-hearted thing, but with the whole heart here. And this is found in, interwoven in here. Uh, in, in several, I've read you four verses there. Here's another verse in verse 69. Verse 69. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precept with my whole heart. And this is found sort of interwoven all through the scriptures here. And then finally, over in verse 145, toward the end, toward the very end here of this uh, great psalm, he says, I cried with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. So he's pointing out here that the Lord requires of us to keep his word and to be committed to the, to the Lord and to his word with all of our heart. Now, I don't know how any better way to say it than to just emphasize your whole heart is just say, God, I'm committed. I belong to you. I am yours. I'm your disciple. I'm your child. Uh, and I'm, I'm in this thing 100%. 100%. Praise the Lord. Don't try to live with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. It doesn't work. Amen. You'll always drift back out in the world, always be out there. If you've got some habits or things out in the world, get rid of them. Just toss them. Amen. When children of Israel went in to take Canaan's land, the Lord said, get rid of all the heathens. Amen. The land will be yours. They never did get rid of all the heathen. And there's a lot of people, they get saved. They come into the faith. They get saved and start walking with God. But they hang on to a few things out there. They let some things keep living in their heart or keep living in their lives. And it becomes a stumbling block to them. It rises up and becomes something they got to fight against all the time. Give up drugs. Give it all up. Give it all up. Don't hang on to nothing. Give up uh, smoking. Give up all that stuff. That'll kill you anyhow. Uh, give up this porno stuff. Give all that up. Don't hang on to nothing. I'm starting to name sins now. <laughs> the Bible does name sin, you know. And we talk about a lot of We're against sin, but the Bible names sin, so... I'm starting to name some of those things. I'm just saying here that we need to give all those things up, and the Bible talks about the whole heart. Now, let me mention one other thing. This is uh, going another step now, talking about Psalms 119. 
in that very first psalm, very first verse, rather, of Psalms 119. Now, these are not in your notes here that we've got, we're going to refer to in a minute. I want you to notice here in the very first verse, blessed are the undefiled in the way. Now, look at the word, the way. If you've got your Bibles, underline that word, the way. or put an emphasis on it. Who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are the undefiled in the way. Now, he talks about the way here. Look at verse 3. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. His ways. Now, when it talks about his way or his ways, it's talking about the Lord's path. The Lord's road, the Lord's trail is the the way he has made for us. When he brought the children of Israel to the Red Sea, he rolled back the waters and he made a way through the sea. He made a way through the sea, folks, and they walked on dry ground through the sea. When I say dry ground, I mean every molecule of that water went to the sides. Until that ground was not wet, wasn't damp, it was dry. Bible, I can give you scriptures on that. That's, it was like a wall on their right hand and a wall on their left hand. And they went right through it, praise the Lord, because God had made the way. Now, he makes ways in our lives here and there along the way, but there is a general way for us to walk, and it's God's path, God's trail, God's road. God's uh, way that he has made for us. I'm going to go a little further here. I read to you 1 and 2. Look with me here in 14. He emphasizes this here several places. Verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as all thy riches. Look at six, uh, 15. I will meditate in, in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Praise the Lord. He's talking about the ways of the Lord here. I'm going very quickly over here to verse 27. Make me to understand the way of thy precept. That's that road, that path. Look at verse 30. I have chosen the way of truth. The way of truth. Look at verse 32. I will run the way of thy commandments. In other words, that path. Look at verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy, of thy statutes. Praise the Lord. Look at verse 35. Make me to go in the, the path. Here the word path is used. Now look at verse 37. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity and quicken thou me in the way. Praise the Lord. And it just talks about these scriptures here and I won't go any further on it. But I just wanted to show you here how many places right here in the beginning that talks about that we need to be in the way of the Lord. Let me give you one other verse of scripture here that I want to uh, point out to you in Matthew. Look at Matthew 7:13. Matthew 7:13. We'll get back to the overhead in, in their lessons in a moment. Look at 13, 7:13 of Matthew. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go therein, or thereat. Verse 14, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, 
and few there be that find it. Praise the Lord. So what I'm pointing out to you here is that what Psalms talks about, Jesus talked about over here in Matthew, these are the words of Christ. And he's saying here that there is a path of the Lord, there is a way of the Lord, and it's going to be narrow. Everybody's out here going the same old way in the world. But you follow the way of the Lord. We Let us follow the way of the book. Praise the Lord. And God will never fail us. Always abide by the book and God will never fail us. Everybody say praise the Lord. Praise Hallelujah. God. God bless you. So I'm going to move on here a little bit further in these, in these scriptures here. That God has given us here these wonderful scriptures. And... Uh, so they would serve him with the whole heart and walk with him with the way. And uh, I want you to look one other thing here. I want you to look in Psalms 119, verse 90. Verse 90. 119, 90. I'll start with 89 and read 90. But I'm going to read. I've got it in your 119, 89. 89. I will start with that one. Okay. <laughs> This for forever, O Lord. This is the beginning of a stanza, incidentally. That's why that L-A-M-E-D is there for. That's one of the stanzas, uh, one of the letters in the, in the Hebrew alphabet here. Verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Look at that. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. If you've got your pen or your Bible, underline that word. The Lord establishes the earth, and it abideth. Look at verse 91. They continue this day according to thine ordinances. For all are thy servants. Everything about this world, the Lord has established it, and it's going to be exactly the way he has ordained it to be. Amen. Amen. Let me show you another verse of Scripture. I want you to go to, over here to the book of uh, Genesis for a moment. I'm take you way over here to the book of Genesis. And uh, chapter 8. And 22. Genesis 8 22. 8 22. This is not in your notes there. Just bear with me here. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Now stay with me for a moment. The Lord was telling this, the Lord was speaking this, and the Lord was giving this message to Noah and his three sons and their wives after they came out of the ark after the flood. And they came out and they saw that the whole human race had been wiped off the face of the earth except the, the, the eight of them. And they came out, and they looked, and it was a very frightful thing, very scary thing. They stayed in the ark until the waters had really subsided and had gone down enough and it had cleared up a little bit and so forth so they could get out and start walking on it, and not walking through mud all the time. And then the Lord spoke to them, and he says, While the earth remaineth seed time and harvest, cold and heat 
and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Now, this is coming from Bishop here. You hear all of these stories about the North Pole is going to melt and going to flood everything. We're going to all perish. We're going to be wiped away like the dinosaurs were. Incidentally, I could give you a lot of stories on the dinosaurs. I could tell you all about coming from the Bible I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, we won't go into that tonight. I am trying to say here that when man starts saying, oh, we don't need to be drilling any more oil out of, out of you know, we got all the oil. America's got all the oil we need out of Alaska. We got them in oil wells all over America. They're still plentiful. But we're not pumping them because we don't want to offset the ecosystem in the world because mankind is going to affect the world. No, no, no. The Lord said it's going to stay like it is. Harvest time, sowing time, reaping time, winter, summer, night and day, until he says it's enough. And when he says it's enough, I don't care how careful and how cautious and how particular you may think that you are doing things, it ain't going to work. Pardon my English. It ain't going to work. Praise the Lord. It, it, it will mean nothing. What really means something is what God's Word says. So if we stay with the Word, folks. We abide by the Word and say, God, I'm going to believe your Word. I'm going to trust in it, Lord. And I know everything will be all right. Praise God. Praise the Lord. So instead of being fearful and, and, and sitting in front of a TV and biting your fingernails because you're worried about what's going to happen in the world, and, uh, and they got all these committees and groups uh, getting together and saying, how can we stop using fossil fuel? And they're trying to use the, this, kind of, this kind of stuff, that kind of stuff, and everything else. And, and I'm sure all those things are good. I'm just trying to say here, it's going to stay like it is until the Lord says it's enough. Amen. And we may be getting close to that, but it's not going to be because of, the, of man's kind. It's going to be what God says. Then I could take you over to the fifth, to the third chapter of, of uh, Second uh, uh, Peter and show you the very same thing there where he says about it'll stay the same until the Lord says it's enough because the word of God has established it. And I won't go any further than here. Only to say here that everything's going to remain as it is until the Lord says it's enough. Now, praise God. Let me get into the back into our word here. I want you to look at number two here. Now, this is the springboard. We're not talking so much about the psalm as we're using it for a springboard. The name of God. The name of God. Now, I want you to go with me to the book of Exodus. And I'm going to read in verse 13. Exodus 13. Praise God. This is our the third, very first verse you see here. Exodus 3 and verse 13. Did I say 3? I meant chapter 3, verse 13. Now, this is when God showed up with Moses in the burning bush and began to talk to him. And he told, was telling Moses, I want you to go back to, to Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And all of those things. And then tell the children of Israel... It's time now for them to leave Egypt. I want them to come out of it. The Lord's talking to Moses. Now, verse 13, Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, 
the God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. I am. And God said, Moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generations. I am. I am. Now, that name is found right here in this 119th Psalm. I'm going to show it to you in just a moment. But there's four letters that in the Hebrew language that make up that name. <clears throat> and I'm going to give them to you right here. Oh, you can't see it, can you? This is a black thing in this gold trim right here. There you can see a little bit, can't you? All right, let me put it right there. Let me put it like this with a like and hit it a little bit better. Now, the Hebrew language is always spelt backwards to us. They go from right to left. We go from left to right. This is the first letter here. First letter, second letter, third letter, fourth letter. Now, I'm going to show you in Psalms 19 where those letters are. Everybody with me? And then we'll come back to this and what, this, what has this got to do with anything here for us today. So go to Psalms 119 again, and I want you to go with me to, uh, to verse 73 in your Bible. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you can see where, and you'll notice there that the letter is Jod, or Jod, is Jod. Yeah, you can see it up there. Jod, and uh, this is the letter, and it is the... Tenth letter in the Hebrew alphabet, the tenth letter. Now, I want to refer here to a scripture over in Matthew. Uh, where is it? Uh, Matthew five eighteen. Let's see. Yeah. Okay. Matthew 5, 18, I believe is where I want it. Yeah. Look at this verse of Scripture here, 5, 18. Jesus said, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot. Now that word jot is the same as jod over here in 119. It's the same thing, except it's a New Testament translation from a different translator who translated the Bible into the English language. They put the T where over in 119 they put D, jot, same letter, same thing. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth shall pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. The jot is this letter. It is the smallest, ins most insignificant letter in the Hebrew alphabet. The smallest one and, and insignificant. And that's why it's referred to by Jesus, not one jot or tittle shall pass in other words, everything is going to be accounted for. And the word tittle is those little marks uh, that some of the letters make. Uh, this one doesn't 
it'll be something like a little a little thing on the side and it's just part of a letter so the tittle is well anyhow this is what the jot but the word jot is the first letter here in this uh our jod is this first letter here in the hebrew is the, is the fifth is the uh tenth letter in the hebrew alphabet and the first letter in the name of god here jhvh now let me show you the other ones i'm going to show you the other two very quickly here go back to uh verse 41 i'm sorry verse 4 uh, 33 verse 33 verse 33 and the letter there is is he or hey is pronounced hey is spelled h-e and uh, in English, and it's, it's, uh, it's pronounced hey. So it's jot and hey. And then you go to verse 41, and uh, then you have the sixth letter here, which is ball, this one right here. That, that means nothing I know to any of us right now, but I'll tie all this together in a moment to make sense. So this is the third letter. And then the fourth letter is the same as the second letter. It is hey. And this letter is the most powerful letter in the entire Hebrew alphabet. Uh, this is the most insignificant. This is the most significant letter in the entire Hebrew alphabet. There's 22 letters altogether. The Greek language has 24. The English language has 26. You well know that, A to Z and so forth. But the Hebrew letters here, they do not have some letters like we have. And I'll explain that when I get to this name of this name here. This was the name that God gave uh, gave to uh, Abraham, uh, to uh, Moses, to tell the children of Israel that he wanted them to be released. So this is where it shows up in your Bible, and these are these letters that are mentioned here. And the thing about it was that when Moses went to the children of Israel, and they said to him, what is his name? It was an unpronounceable name because you can't pronounce this in the first person. In other words, let me say it like this. If God said, I am is my name. And the Lord, they asked Moses, what's his name? Moses said, wait a minute. I'm not God. I am. I, I can't say that. He is is different. Are you following me? He is is different. If I say he is, that's not I am. And he was afraid to say I am because he was saying like, that's identifying me as God. Now, it was more complex actually than that. This is the way it would be in the English language. But it was more comp complex than that and to the point that it could not be pronounced because it had no vowels in it. It could only be pronounced in the first person, but not in the third person. So Moses wrote it down. He wrote it down on paper. His name is blah, blah, blah. And when the Jews saw that, they said, that's his name. And apparently the Lord doesn't want his name to be pronounced. These four letters are called the tetragrammation. Tetra meaning four, grammation meaning grammar or letters. Tetragrammaton or tetragramma. Tetragram is also another word used for it. These four letters, and it's the name of God, and the Hebrews know that this is what they put on the doorpost of their house. 
on the house, they'll put the name of God like that. This is what, this is what these letters, and this piece of uh, the cloth that I have here with these four letters, I got in Israel. And so I'm just pointing out to you here, this is the name of God, but they never pronounce it. And even whenever the, the Bible was finally put into print or written by the Jews, they would not write the name of God in a lot of places. And it was Moses who did the first five books in the Bible. Not only did he write the Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, Moses also wrote the book of Genesis because it was God had showed him the history of, of the Jewish people and all the world. Now, I... Uh, I want to go a little bit further here and uh, and show you something here. Look in Genesis, if you would, 18 with me for a moment. I want to show you. Now, if you look in the A here, I'm going to go back to our chart for a moment. Let me just set that little baby off to one side. Look at A here. Why the word Lord was used for the name of God. Now, incidentally, the word Lord here is spelt the wrong way. It's spelt right, but it should have been capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Because when it referred to the name of God, it was always capitals all the way through. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital And the Jewish people used the word Lord, which in the Hebrew was Adonai. They would use the word Adonai, but they would capitalize it. And when they would capitalize it in the, in the Bible, they would do it to show that this was God's name. Now, I'm, I'm using these verses to show you what I'm talking about. Look at 18.1. 18.1. And the Lord prepared unto him in the plains of, uh, appeared unto him in the plains. This is talking about Abraham. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mer, Mer, Mamre. Now, notice the word Lord is all capital letters there. See that? That's God's name. Now, look down in verse 3. And said, and this was Abraham that addressed him. He said, my Lord. Now, in the original writings here, the word Adonai was actually used. And notice here it says L-O-R-D, but it uses the capital L there because it's referring to God. But it's not in the original writing, so it's a small r, o, r, and d. Notice you've got two words, Lord, here. They Both of them are different in the capital letters. Now, to bring a little bit more confusion to it, look at over in verse 12. Therefore, Sarah laughed. This is when God had told Abraham that he was going to have a son, and Sarah was going to have a child this time next year, and Sarah laughed and everything. And... Uh, And it says that Sarah, Abraham and Sarah were old. Sarah was 90 years old. Abraham was 99 years old. Now, this is what she said. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, that is, have a child? My Lord being old also. Look at the word Lord there. It's a small L, a small O, a small R, and a small D. Because she's talking about Abraham here. Landlord would be a small hill. You understand what I'm saying here? And the Bible here, and all the way through the Bible, if you look, for instance, when God was speaking, verse 14, as any, is anything too hard for the Lord, L-O-R-D? This is God speaking. 
And the Lord said, look at verse 17. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that which I do? All capital letters, because it's referring to, it's referring to God Almighty. And it's really saying, I am. But they didn't write it. They said the Lord. So I'm just trying to point this. And you will find this all through the Old Testament here. Now, I don't know if that means anything to you, but I am pointing out to you how sanctified that these letters were to them and how that they intended that this was not to be used to be spoken. So B here, I'm going to go a little further right quick. B, the Hebrew letters that make up the name of God, I am, in Psalms 119, the 10th letter, the 5th letter, the 6th letter, and I think we've just been through that in the fifth letter again, 33. That makes up what we call the tetragamation here. Now, I'm going to see here very quickly. The name I am is far-reaching, having no limits. Jesus came as the I am Savior. Now, when Jesus came, he came, praise the Lord, as Savior. Amen. Uh, let me just say one thing before I go any further into that. This is not in your notes either. Uh, I've had a lot of discussions, they call it discussions, with the Jehovah Witnesses. Because they claim, that, first of all, they, came, they claim Jesus is Michael the Archangel. They don't believe Jesus is God. They believe he's Michael the Archangel. And that's common knowledge and so forth. But they, uh, they tell me, we are Jehovah's Witnesses. I tell them I'm Jesus' Witness, you're Jehovah's Witness. The name Jehovah never came into existence until the 13th century. Now, when these letters are put into English, this is what you'll find. Let me see if I can uh, get this out real quickly here. Uh, hang on here with me. I'm, all right. You have J-H-V-H. That's what these letters here represent, J-H-V-H, if you put it in English. J-H-V-H. You can't pronounce J-H-V-H. So in the 13th century, uh, theologians, let me put it that way, theologians inserted the vowels, E, O, and A, in between to give it a name that you can pronounce. Everybody still with me? So that they created the word Jehovah. So when we read Jehovah, it is man's uh, an effort to give God a pronounceable name. I don't say that it's bad. I just say that it was man's effort to give God a pronounceable name so they could talk about God with a name saying he's Jehovah. Now, when he, the, the, the Jewish language does not have a J. Uh, they use the word why, like, for instance, if you ever read maps and things that are put out by the Jewish people, they don't say Jerusalem, they'll say Jerusalem. Always use a why. Why is in the place of the J in the, in the, in, from, coming from the Hebrew language. And uh, so they use the letters Y-H, and they use, it could be B-R-W, Yahweh or Yahweh. And so they put two letters in there. They put the A here and the A here and make it Yahweh. Our Jehovah, and it means the very same thing. It means the name of God, and it is referring to these four letters here, the tetragamation that we've already talked about. I'll hang it up, hold it up close there again. I can't. Well, you can 
still can't see it too well. I'm sorry, I apologize for that. But anyhow, uh, this is how the word Jehovah comes. So if Jehovah Witnesses, they come out, I'd have to tell them, I said, the word Jehovah never came into existence in the 13th century. And you're saying, I'm Jehovah's Witness, I'm Jehovah's Witness, and it never came into existence. They said, what do you mean, what do you mean? I said, yeah, then I have to tell them all that thing. And then it embarrassed a lot of them. Some of them said, well, we'll talk to you later. And so I let it, let it go from there. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. All right, I won't go any further than that. Let me get back to our basic thought here because I've got some interesting things to bring out to you here. Uh, this is something very interesting I want to pass along to you here. Uh, in these scriptures here, if you look and see, the name I am is far-reaching, having no limits. Jesus came as the I am Savior. Look at Matthew 121. And I'm not going to go to all these verses here. I'm not going to go to all these verses. I'm just going to refer to them here because I've got something very important to talk to you about here in the next 15 minutes. And uh, I want you to look with me what to uh, Matthew 120, 121. All right, let's see if I can still find my place. All right. I'll get there one way or the other. Yeah, Matthew 1. All right. Praise God. Look at 121. This is very common. This is Easter time. Christmas time, I'm sorry. And she shall bring forth a son... And that shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, the word Jesus means the tetragrammation or the I am hath become salvation. That's what it means. It means I am hath come, become salvation. I am, have, I am has become salvation. God saying, I have become salvation. And the word, the, the name I am that God gave to Moses, meaning that anything you attach to it makes God supreme over everything. I am here, I am there. I am now, I am the past, I am the future. I am all power. I'm in heaven, I'm in earth. There's no place God is not. He's like the light. When the light goes on, it goes everywhere. God is everywhere. God is like the light. Praise the Lord. He's not confined. He's, he, the Spirit was not given to Jesus in measure. It's given to us in measure. We have the Spirit of the Lord. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Jesus was the temple of the Holy Ghost on earth. Destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. He's talking about himself. Praise the Lord. I'm just pointing out to you here that Jesus, praise the Lord, came as, as a Savior here. And he is Jehovah as Savior. Now, not only that, but all through these scriptures here, let me just give you an example here. If you look at John, uh, I'll just give you a couple of them. John 6, 48. John 6, 48. I am the bread of life. Very quickly here in 8, 12. Then spake Jesus again of them saying, I am the light of the world. Notice that. Again, speaking of the next verse, verse 14 and 6. That should be 14, 6. I think it says 14, 3. That's an error on your, on your letter. Put 14, 6 there where you have it on your. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I am the way. I'm just pointing out to you here how that Jesus made himself to be I am. I am the vine, verse 5, verse eight, chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine. Now, and you're the branches. Now, I want to show you something. You may have never seen this before. I had a, a, a guy that was a member of our church point this out to me. I never saw it in my life until several years ago. He pointed it out to me, and I looked at, looking at it, and he was right. I want you to go with me over to John uh, 18 and 3. Look at this. This is when they came to the garden to take Jesus. Jesus was leading a pack of these guys that wanted to arrest Jesus and crucify him. 18.3. You with me? Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh hither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. Look at verse 6. And as soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Now, let me show you something. This is what was shown to me. Look at verse 5, and we'll refer to 5 and 6. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. They said, Whom seek you? Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, Look at the word he. That's in italics. I am he. In the word, you don't, you don't see it up here, but in your Bible is in italics, which means it was not in the original manuscripts. It was added by the translators to give it what they felt like was a clearer meaning. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not what Jesus really said. When they said unto him, they said unto him, uh, um, seek ye, Jesus saith unto, unto them, I am. That's all he said. He didn't say, I am he. He said, I am. And Judas also, which betrayed them, stood with them. And as soon as, then as he had said unto them, I am, they went backward and fell to the ground. Because he had actually identified himself to be Almighty God, and they fell back because of the power of God. Well, I just thought I'd throw that in for free. Praise the Lord. But I think it's a beautiful thing to understand here that this little word, he, he there, is, was really never in the original translations. It was not there. It was just, I am. Jesus said, I am. And when they did, the power of him pronouncing his, himself, who, his, who he was and his identity, caused him to fall back. Now, we'll move on very quickly here. I want to get into the last one here. Uh, I was in Israel in 2014. It was in April. We had a guy named Joseph, uh, Jacob. And uh, Jacob was, uh, was with our group. And we had been, we were in Galilee by the... Uh, we went under a shade tree, and he was talking to our group. And there were several, about a, probably a dozen of us there, eight, eight to ten or twelve. And he said, 
when Jesus saw the disciples. I want to go to chapter 21. Simon Peter said unto them, I go fishing. They said unto him, We go with thee. So all these men, these disciples of Jesus, Jesus had, been res had resurrected from the dead, but had not showed himself to them for a while. And so they didn't know where he was, so they went fishing. And they fished all night, caught nothing. Verse 3. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they said unto him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the other side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Now, when Peter heard that, he said, This is it. This, that's Jesus. I know it is. He got out of the boat and swam or waded to shore. And Jesus was standing on the shore and was there with them. And the Lord said, verse 10, Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Verse 11, Simon Peter went up and drew the net and laid the full fishes out, 153. Everybody see that? So, Jacob, our Jewish guide, was telling us of this story. Now listen to me closely. He said to me, or to all of us, he said, how many fish were caught? And I raised my hand and I, he said, how many? I said, 153. Now, I just remembered it because I've been studying the Bible for years. And I said, 153. He says, do you know what that figure means? I said, no, I've often wondered why the Bible would would say how many fish they had caught. I've often wondered. I told him that in front of everybody else was standing around. And I said, yeah. I said, no, I've often wondered why it was. He says, whenever the numbers 153 is put in the Hebrew language, there are words that are the same as letters. Now, you and I don't have that in the English language. We have different symbols for numbers, different than words. But our best example is the, is the Roman numeral number. You know how an I is a 1, a V is a 5, an X is 10, an L is 50. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I could draw it on paper, but I don't have the time to do that now. And everything. Right on up to, uh, I think, C is 100 and... Uh, and M is a thousand, I think it is. Uh, but I'm just pointing out to you here that in, the, in these languages, I said, I know that letters and numbers, that, that numbers have a sequence with letters in the Latin language and in the Greek language. But I did not know it had also in the Hebrew. He said it does. It has the same thing in the Hebrew language. In other words, there are certain letters. I'm going back to 119 now. That's this 119th Psalm. There's certain letters that have certain number of factors involved with it. And he says, whenever said 153, do you know what that would equate to in Hebrew? And we said, no. And he said, it says, I am God. Now, this man was a Jew who did not believe Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And he didn't believe he was a Jew at all. So he had no reason to tell us that. Except, uh, he said, I have to tell you the truth. 
when it said 153 fish and equates into the into the, the language, it says, I am God. So letters equate to that. Uh, later, I asked Jacob, I said, Jacob, I said, that's a little complicated. Would you draw that out for me? And he says, I will. And he did this. This is his writings. I've just copied it here. He says, I am God up here. Let me flip the, the top up here away off of this. I am God. Now, this is hard to figure out, but these are these are the Hebrew letters in here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, he points out. And he gives up up here that this is a one. It's hard to understand. This is one, five, three. This is one, two, two. And this is a 31, 122, 131 makes up 153. And this is 103 fish. So there's uh, so many on this on, on this side. And these are the letters here. I could go into detail with you. I have all of this uh, broken down like this. His same writings. And then I have all the definitions of it put in our regular language. 119 Psalm. What verse they're found in and everything. So that we could, if I had the time to go into it, I could show you where all of these letters are found in the Hebrew letters. And so here's the, here's the letters that he showed me here. This is Psalms 119. Here are the Hebrew letters. Something went wrong. Okay, I guess he's trying to tell me it's time to quit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, I'm just pointing out to you here, folks, that there are many truths in the Word of God and things about God's Word that is exciting. And... I went away from there thinking about even a Jew that did not believe Jesus was the Messiah would tell us a little thing that I never knew and never, never could figure out. Why did the Lord, why did the Bible even say 153? I mean, why does it say how many fish that were? Who, who cares? They caught 153 fish. Okay, so what? But there's a reason for it. And then it would spell out in the Hebrew language, I am God. So that if any Jew would ever read that and so that and look at that through the Hebrew language and say, my Lord, Jesus was saying, I am God. Because that's how many fish that he allowed them to catch. Everything. And, uh, oh my, oh my, God is so good. And uh, I could go a little bit further. My time is gone. But I just want to say here today to all of us folks that God's word is strong, it abides, stay fast to it, hold fast to it, love God with all of your heart. And one of these days, the trumpet's going to sound. I don't know when, I don't know when it's going to be, but God's coming back for his people. He's promised it, and he'll never go back on his word. Stay with the word, stay with the book. And there'll be all kinds of stuff out there where they'll attack the Bible, attack the word, attack truth, but stay with the book. And God will always be with us, and he'll always help us through every situation, never difficulty, and every trial. Aren't you glad you know that Jesus is God? Aren't you glad you know that? Let's stand together and give God the praise.